Hey, it's Josh Carey, the hidden entrepreneur. Why is that? Well, I spent 40 years hiding. That's right, showing up in every situation, hiding my true talent, my true ability in exchange for seeking the approval of others. No more of that. I'm now on a mission to help those do exactly what you've always known is possible. This is how it's done. Here I am sitting with the owner of Mindset Performance. It is Jared Hanning. Thank you, Jared, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. What I love about everything you do, there's a lot to it because I I love the whole mindset aspect and I love who you are and what you stand for. Fascinatingly, you specialize in a Nobel-nominated process that teaches individuals how to think at a higher level. What exactly does thinking at a higher level look like? Well, when you're in the, like in a corn maze, you're not sure if you should go left or right. And so you're try this, try that, um, and just kind of wear yourself out, maybe running faster, trying options. But if you stand on a ladder, you can see the whole picture. And now it's like, oh gosh, why don't I think to go that way? It's so obvious, but you're only really like two or three feet higher. And that's, that's not a lot of height, but it makes the difference between what should I do? And, oh my gosh, it's so obvious. Why didn't I say that earlier? So the work that I do is by mapping out your thinking patterns, your mind is able to think at a higher level about solving problems in your business, get you out of the weeds. So now you're working less, but making more just because you're thinking at a much more innovative, efficient way. So you made the analogy between higher level and a physical higher level, which gives you that distinct advantage. There is that correlation. Well, I mean, higher level is, is subjective, right? It's for, for, so for me, higher level would be like if a company is they they're trying to raise ten thousand dollars this month, they're going to come up with ten thousand dollars solutions. But if they go sit in the boardroom of the company that has to raise a hundred thousand this month, they're going to come up with hundred thousand dollars solutions. And now from that vantage point in retrospect, suddenly 10,000 is easy just because they're thinking at a, a much larger level, more efficient process of doing that. Um, it's which why it's true that the less you work, the more you make and why it's true that it's easier. It's less effort to bring in 10 times more money just because you're solving problems at a more efficient, efficient level. Let's talk about that. I love that concept. The less you work, the more you make. How in the world is that possible? A couple of reasons. One of them is your to-do list keeps you from getting anything done and being focused on checking things off your to-do list actually lowers your income. Now, I know that seems like craziness, especially if your brain is hardwired for productivity, get things done, check things off the list. Well, here's the deal. When your brain is focused on getting things done, it looks for things to do. And this is why um, you have more on your to-do list than you have time to get done. But it gets worse than that. If you'll look at your to-do list, I bet you 
that nine out of 10 things on your to-do list could be delegated to somebody for 10 or $15 an hour, provided it was the right person for the task, provided they were trained the right way and provided they were using the right system. What that means is the more focused you are on checking things off your to-do list, the more focused you are on getting things done, the more of your day you're spending in the lowest income earning activities. This is what we call a bad strategy that you just can't solve with stubbornness. What do we do instead? So when we're, if it's working less to make more, how and where do we spend our time? When we do a mind scan with the type of people that seem to own multiple companies, but they don't work multiple full-time jobs, the kind of person that just always has more than enough time, always has more than enough revenue. We can see that their brain solves problems very different. And which was what you were asking, like, well, if getting things done isn't the right road to go down, then what is the right road to go down? And one of the things we notice about how they solve problems is they aren't focused on getting things done, which is weird. Like, why is it that the person who values action the least has the most results to show for it? The reason is when you're doing that doesn't address why it had to be done in the first place. So for example, if I return emails for customer support today, well, tomorrow, guess who's going to be returning emails? Still me, because returning the email doesn't address why it was there to start with. This is a very low level of solving problems. Well, people that seem to always have more than enough time, always have more than revenue, their brain solves problems by, this is the answer to your question, building systems to support them and building processes, people, relationships to support them. Now for the action-driven, go-getter, hustle, grind, achiever, this is the death for them because their brain goes, man, I don't have time to write it down because by the time I write it down, I could have just got it done anyways. Man, I don't have time to delegate or train to somebody else because by the time I trained them how to do it, I could have just done it anyways. So the, the act of systems and relationships For that individual, it feels like the antithesis of productivity. It feels like they aren't getting anything done. However, for the person that makes more by working less, they understand that if instead of taking the candy, the low-hanging fruit and checking it off your list, if instead of doing that, you take time to build a system, document a process, maybe three bullet points, you take time to train somebody to do that for you then you'll never again have to do that task. And this builds more free time for you to do what? More systems and more processes. And that's why it's true that the less you work, the more you make. Things are still getting done without you being the bottleneck. What are some of the indicators that somebody would benefit from working with you? What I would say is... Do you find yourself getting to the end of the year and promising yourself that next year is going to be different because next year you're really going to apply yourself next year. You just need to try harder. And then at the end of that year, you say, no, no, this year doesn't count because the kids were sick and grandma came to visit and we took that vacation this time. I really mean it. I'm really going to apply myself. Are you in a, a loop? of solving problems by trying harder. If you are, that could indicate that there's a blind spot in how your brain's solving problems. 
And it would be helpful to map out your thinking patterns so you can see where that blind spot is that's tripping you up and you can see where the breakthrough is that's waiting for you. That could be an indicator. Another indicator could be, do you tend to hit the same obstacles day after day? Don't have enough time, don't have enough money. And when you hit those obstacles, do you find yourself doubling down on your strategy? Well, just work harder and faster. Just do more of this. Just try harder. If that's the case, then it could be that there is some room to optimize your thinking patterns. Because whenever you're stuck, whenever you're hitting an obstacle, three things are happening. Number one, you're already working hard. Like this is kind of a self-delusion that we tell ourselves. We say, well, I'm not really applying myself. No, no, I, I bet you're probably working harder than you think. Um, what that means is working harder won't make a difference or it would have by now. The second thing is you are already working smart. You, you're, you're, these are logical actions. These are rational, well-thought-out I mean, you're no dummy. If there was something more innovative to do, you'd already be doing it, right? So what that means is that working smarter isn't going to make a difference or it would have by now, which leaves us with your breakthrough. The thing that is actually going to radically transform your experience, your relationship with time and money, that thing will at first seem like a bad idea. If it made sense to do, you'd already be doing it. And that's the pickle. The brain can't think of what it can't think of. You just can't read the label from the inside of the bottle. So now somebody like me determines that they can absolutely benefit from working with you. How do we begin? What do you do with me? What do you need from me? What do you want from me, Jared? <laughs> Once you're firstborn and 90% of your profits for the next 100 years. What I want from you is to not believe me. The less you work, the more you make. Using your to-do list is keeping getting things done. Checking things off it is lowering your income. Um, there could be a blind spot in your thinking patterns that's been tripping you up. Working harder is not going to get you there. I do not want you to believe me for a second. Don't take my word for it. What I want from you is to try it yourself and see if you think in your situation, this is a good fit for you. This makes sense for you. What I mean is just take the mind scan and see for yourself if that way of thinking, if it reveals something interesting and helpful in your situation, try it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. That's what I want. What is the mind scan? Mind scan is Nobel nominated um, assessment and Nobel nominated process of teaching your brain how to think at a higher level. Um, it was developed, in, well, the algorithm it runs on was developed in the 50s uh, by Robert Hartman. They obviously back then were doing it with pencils and slide rules. And now we've got it digitized, thankfully. And what it does is it teases out in a really interesting way how your brain makes sense of the world. Because if once we see how it makes sense of the world, we see where the blind spots are that are holding you up and the breakthroughs that are waiting for you. But it's not a personality profile. It's not DISC, Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, Enneagram, whatever your thing is. And, and the reason is they, they suffer from a couple of pitfalls. One, they tend to be questionnaire based. And because you're responding to questions, 
your subconscious is gaming the system. It's either guessing what they're looking for or trying to present itself in a certain light. So this ends up with not actually helpful test results because they aren't accurate. They're based on your subconscious gaming the system. I mean, geez, if you went to see a doctor and they walked in with somebody else's test results, like that wouldn't be helpful. The second thing is, is they tend to label you. You have these traits, you know, you're a rabbit, you're a bird, you're an ENFJ, whatever. And 25% of the population also has these traits. This is distractingly unhelpful. If you can imagine going to see the doctor and he says, Hey, you've got this condition. We have a 25% success rate treating it. Well, that's information, but it's not helpful. Helpful would be if he could tell you what side of that 25% line you were on. And that's what makes a mind scan different. Uh, you're not uh, responding to questions. So your subconscious can't game the system and it doesn't label you. It is just a scientific measurement of how your brain makes sense of the world. That graph is a fingerprint of your thinking patterns. It's as unique as you are because of that. It allows us to get out of the weeds, stop guessing, see the whole picture. So, you know, the fastest way out so that you too, in your situation can work less, but reach more people, make a bigger difference, get paid better for it. Jared Hanning is a classically trained musician. Tell me all about this. What age did it start? Ah, yes. In a previous life, that, that was my living. Uh, probably started at nine on the piano. I did not know how much I hated the piano until I was 11 and discovered the viola. And that led to degrees, uh, master's, principal viola, South Carolina Philharmonic. Uh, spent 20 years doing that. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, but then uh, I just felt like, I don't know, life was calling me to step up to something bigger. So 10 years ago, um, I left that as full-time profession and went into mindset where we take people through a series of mindset push-ups uh, in the mindset gym to teach their brain how to think at a higher level. Happy to answer any questions you have about the previous life in classical music, though. How has a life in classical music prepared you for your life today? Where is the overlap, the correlations? Uh, some people don't know this, but when you are engaged in music, you have clapping your hands along to the radio, singing in the car, driving down the road. In that moment, you're accessing more different parts of your brain than any other activity of your life. Now, wouldn't it be handy if you could access different parts of your brain on demand. So at that time, when I was in classical music, I would go and lecture and teach in the corporate audiences at their speaking events, how to access different parts of your brain. And that became just kind of a natural stepping stone. I was already in that space. I'm teaching you how to rewire your brain, think at a higher level. So when I left that with uh, music as the income into training coaching as the income, um, it was just sort of a natural fit. I was kind of doing what I was already doing, if you will. Four TED Talks later. Tell me about that. TED Talks. If somebody has an interest in TED Talks or an interest in giving a TED Talk for crying out loud, go to the TEDx map, draw a circle on how far you're willing to drive or travel and apply. You have like no idea what they're looking for. If you get turned down, it's not a reflection of you. More than likely, it means that they had 17 other people who were equally qualified wanting to talk on the exact same subject. 
and they're trying to balance the day so that everybody isn't talking about the same thing. So it's not a reflection of you. Just, just apply, apply to 10 of them. You have, have no idea. Um, probably the one I'm uh, most proud of uh, as far as the, the quality of the talk would be uh, TEDx Hickory, North Carolina. And then one, the one that was probably the most interesting as far as the quality of the event and the people that organized it would have been the one I did TEDx Ocala, Florida. Is there anything about a TEDx talk and the value that it adds to your your work, your role as a coach? Some people find the TEDx brand uh, helpful, um, like an affirmation, a stamp of approval. Uh, for some people, for whatever reason, their talk just gets trapped up in the algorithm and gets launched, goes viral. Um, for some reason, their talk just resonates with society that particular year. Um, so some people, yeah, they get lucky. Most people though, um, your talk will be found out based on your own network, you sharing it with your friends and family. Hmm. You jump out of planes for fun. And I understand you did it once in the nude. Oh yes. This is something almost all skydivers do. Um, I know it sounds crazy if you're not a skydiver, but, um, you know, if you jump, yeah, almost everybody's done it at one time. You just jumped nude for the additional thrill. What was the purpose? Oh, skydivers, they have this thing about, I don't know, achievements, badges, experiences. Like, you know, they, they, they want to jump a helicopter. They want to jump a hot air balloon. Uh, they want to jump a, an ultralight or a hang glider. They want to jump a, the 720 jet, 727 jet that uh, D.B. Cooper jumped out of. Uh, not the same jet, but you know, it was the same model. I think one of those in Paris, they want to jump a biplane upside down. And then sometimes they go super crazy and they want to jump off a, a building or a bridge or a cliff that they want to jump naked. It just, yes, it, it's part of being a skydiver. You want to go explore the world. You learn something new. One of your quotes is a breakthrough in your business will first happen as a breakthrough in your thinking. Yes. Can you tell us what one of those breakthroughs might look like? How do we know we've gotten there? Where are we going from and to? The breakthrough is like a thought you haven't had before. And usually you're, cause you're only one thought away from your next breakthrough. But the thing is your brain can't think of what it can't think of. It can't think of what doesn't make sense. So it's nearly impossible for you to have that thought on your own, but an example of the types of thoughts that cause people to uh, just have a huge jump in the quality of life. Uh, for example, uh, when I was in classical music and I was very frustrated uh, because music is, well, it's a low paying place to be. There's just not a lot of value uh, for a lot of musicians just because of how it's set up. And I got tired of working 40 hours a week, making 50,000 a year. And I was like, well, but there are musicians who make bajillions of dollars. So what if it wasn't music that was a problem, but rather the way I think about music. So I stopped trying to solve the problem as a musician. And I started solving the problem as a business owner, as a CEO, as an investor, as a startup. I started thinking differently about that. And one of the things I did was I removed myself as the bottleneck. 
um, I took my time out of teaching lessons. So instead of teaching music lessons one-on-one, I started teaching one-on-many. That one move doubled my revenue from music lessons. I took my time out of playing gigs. Instead of playing gigs, I started booking gigs. That one move like tripled my revenue from gigs. I stopped sending my students um, to the music store with their money and I became the music store. That one move added another 50% in revenue that year alone. And by doing that, it took me from 40 hours a week making 50,000 a year to 20 hours a week making 100,000 a year just because I started thinking differently about how I was solving those problems. Now, I know in the business entrepreneur world, those numbers are not very significant. But as a freelance musician, those numbers are life-changing. They are unheard of Um, just because I started thinking differently about how I was solving those problems. For the listener who wants to stop focusing on getting things done, what is the one thing they should start doing or practicing every day? Who? Who can do this better? Who can do this faster? Who knows who can do this better? Who's the person that knows someone who can do this faster? And then if you get stuck on how am I going to pay them? Go back to who? Who is the person that knows how to set this up so that they get paid? Who is the person that knows how to structure this so that there's more than enough money for them and the business to grow left over? Rather than solving problems from what needs to be done or how do I do it, start solving problems from who needs to be the one doing this. And in order to arrive at that solution, they first need to consciously identify what they are doing day to day. Uh, Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe not. Um, You you could solve that problem without even writing a to-do list. Just simply looking at your life and the quality of your life, how much free time you have, how much income you have, the level of enjoyment that you have and fulfillment and stress and all that. And just start asking, who has the life I'm looking for? Who has the life that I would like to be living if you're not happy where you're at? And you can get started thinking that way without even needing to write write a list of what is getting in the way. And then the other part of the who is identifying who can take over some of the day-to-day tasks that you need done. You can do that. If you feel like you're on the right track, you're in the right lot in life, you're in the right industry, you're doing things that you feel could lead to leveraging your sweet spot and your genius. I'm sure. Um, Who is the best person to do this? Um, And instead, but don't get caught on where, where do I find them back to who, who knows where to find them. So you're solving problems through relationship. And that all leads you to thinking at a higher level. Yes. We get out of the weeds of working harder and faster. And instead of saying, there's more here than I have time to get done. I need to work harder and faster. There's more here than I have time to get done. I don't have time to delegate it because I could have gotten it done during that time. I don't have time to plan because I could have gotten it done. Instead of thinking that way, you start to think there's more here than I have time to get done. Therefore, we need more time planning 
building processes and systems, and we need more time building relationships because clearly I do not have the time to get all this done. Jared Hanning, what is the one thing that the listener needs to know as they go about their day today? They're only one thought away from their next breakthrough. Amazing. Absolutely perfect, Jared. Thank you so much for joining in. Thanks for having me. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Doesn't it feel great to start something and finish it? I love that feeling. Here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to my website, joshcarry.com slash podcast, and let me know exactly what you loved most about this episode. What did you learn? What did you discover? What are you going to do next? And I'm going to send you a free gift as my way of saying thanks. I appreciate you taking your time to tune in today. We'll do it again soon.